Hey friends, welcome back to the Black Diamond Podcast. This is your host, Eric Malzone. And this is the show where I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing entrepreneurs, founders, change makers, and people who are just creatively leading the way through innovation. And it's not only about successes and, and great stories, because you'll definitely get those, but it's also about the personal challenges and the vulnerability that we face along the way. So this show is brought to you by Level 5 Mentors, helping entrepreneurs and founders achieve the highest levels of freedom in five different categories, time, money, relationships, health, and purpose. And if you want to find out how you're doing in those five categories, we got you covered. We got a survey for that. Just go to level5mentors.com forward slash survey, and you can take the free entrepreneurial survey and see how you're doing in each category and see where you have room for improvement because, hey, we can always be improving. So welcome to the show. Let's get on to it. Lisa Simone Richards, welcome to the show. I am always excited to have a conversation with you, Eric. So thank you for having me. So we could like let the rest of the world hear some of the talks that you and I have. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, there's a lot of value here. And I think, you know, you and I having spent a lot of time within the fitness and health industry, uh, you know, we've, we've gotten to see a lot of crazy things over the past few months. Uh, it is June 8th, 2020, as we record this and, uh, Man, it's it's been a wild it's been a wild ride for the fitness industry, huh? It really has, especially because you know there was a time where maybe you were in online fitness, but like pretty much, I think almost everybody is in online fitness in some capacity now after the events of the last three months. Yeah, you know it's wild today is because uh, I know we're going to talk a little bit about public relations because that is smacking your wheelhouse. But CrossFit, mm -hmm. they're getting some some uh, interesting public relations nowadays. And uh, today it just came out that, you know, a lot of the CrossFit is now losing a lot of its um, partnerships with Reebok and uh, Rogue and a lot of their gyms are disaffiliating all because of some poorly timed public relations. So it's, it's a powerful thing indeed, especially nowadays. Yeah, perception definitely matters a lot. Third-party recommendations and endorsements matter a lot. So yeah, definitely how you're putting self out there is going to influence how people want to interact with you. So we can definitely go into that a little more. Yeah, we will. But I, I'd like to start off, Lisa, with uh, you know, a little bit of your backstory. Maybe you can tell us how did you get into this interesting world of public relations? Uh, yeah, give us, give us a story from your background as, as an entrepreneur. Yeah, the cool long and short of it is like I knew since <clears throat> probably about six or seven years old that I wanted to be in the media. I just wasn't sure how. Um, that came about because I remember having a subscription to Teen People as a kid. And I thought it was so cool that you could write a letter to the editor. So like without my parents' permission or help or anything, I sent in a letter to the editor. Lo and behold, two months later or so, my magazine comes in with Jonathan Taylor Thomas from Home Improvement on the cover. And I saw my letter to the editor in the magazine, which was just the coolest feeling. But I knew I didn't actually want to be editorial. I liked the idea of like something else. So fast forward from seven-ish years old to 18 when I'm at university and a girl who's graduating from my school in my sorority is going to PR school. And this is just when Sex in the City was in its heyday. I'm, I'm not sure it's the audience here that lives for Sex in the City. But there's a character, Samantha Jones, who made PR look super fun, super party. And I was like, okay, I'm in. 
So that was honestly the beginning of it. I've been doing it since university straight till now. And fitness was actually really something I tripped into. I started off with fashion, beauty, and consumer. But while I was working at a PR agency where I had multiple clients like Staple, Virgin Mobile, Crayola, I started doing a women's only boot camp with one of my girlfriends. And we had the best time. Like it was outdoors, the sun was coming down, our instructor was awesome, the other women were awesome, we were getting crazy amazing results and then it looked turned out that they were looking for a PR person and wanted to reach within their internal network first they were offering twice what I was making at the agency so boom it's been fitness PR for the last 10 years right on so you mentioned uh sex in the city and Samantha making it fun and party was it fun and party Mm -hmm. when you first started was it not what you thought it was was it exactly what you thought it was something in between Yeah, you know what, it kind of was because I started off in the fashion beauty industry. So I remember very vividly, like, so I mean, I from Toronto, Ontario, and I would go about an hour, my university was about an hour and a half away from here. And I would every single year volunteer for Toronto Fashion Week. So there was a, a spring season show and a fall season show. My parents knew I was skipping school for the week. Like I came back to Toronto, screw all my classes. And I just got, I was volunteering for PR and fashion. And that's how I actually got started, how I got recommendations because I was building relationships. But, you know, I'd be working on these shows. I'd be backstage. There would be parties in the evening. Like it was, it actually was really cool and shiny. Like the fashion industry, and there's some things to say for it in terms of like, you know, the superficiality and whatnot. But was it fun as a 22 year old? Absolutely. Yeah, I bet. I actually worked at a, in my early 20s, I worked at radio stations. I was selling advertising and uh, I didn't make a whole lot of money, but I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of free concert tickets and uh, <laughs> it was a really, a really cool atmosphere and just seeing like, you know, rock stars walk through the studio you know, every week was just, like no just big amazing. Deal. Yeah. Yeah. When I was, uh, yeah. Alicia Keys, I was in an elevator with Alicia Keys and, uh, I've been somewhat in love with her ever since really. Um, Oh my gosh. That's amazing. so cool. Yeah. She's been, she's great. So, uh, your business and what you do now. So you, you got into PR early, you, you realized that, you know, Hey, this, this seems like something that's really exciting to me. You got some passion behind it. Um, what do you do now? Like what, what is the business? What does your business currently look like? Is it just you? Do you have, or do you work with other people? What, what is the, the business qualities? Oh my goodness. Such a good question. And awesome because as I'm going through a transition, so I started off in an agency. So clients would hire me on a three to six month retainer and I would do their PR on their behalf. And then the challenge that I saw with that is while it was great that it was like affordable and attainable for them to do shorter retainers, at the end of our time together, the relationships left with me. And I really wanted to teach a man how to fish, so to speak. So for the last few years, I've actually been doing PR in a coaching capacity. So I teach my clients, here's how you find the right outlets. Here's how you find the right contacts, producers, editors, journalists, whatever the title is. Here's how you pitch them a story. And now what's really cool is at the end of our time together, they know how to do it themselves. So I have a handful of clients who are like, Lisa, I'm busy running a business. I don't want to do this myself. So, you know, I'm re-entering the agency world now and taking on that done-for-you aspect. But I also really, really love showing people who, you know, have it on their plates to be able to do it themselves. Hey, here's how you do it. And at the end of our time together, you're going to have a skill that you can lather, rinse, and repeat for life. So as I'm going through, like, evolving the business model now, 
That means team. And I am such a type A person. You want something done, you got to do it yourself. So the big stretch for me now is having like my graphics person, my virtual assistant, like all different types of a copywriter, different people supporting me because I'm not going to be able to do the whole thing on my own. So that's the growth point right now. How much of doing PR for other people is about relationships? I imagine, you know, relationships with people at different news outlets and, and media outlets. Is that, is that a, a huge component of it or small percentage? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I could honestly go either way with that. So thinking about when I was, I remember when I was leaving, I would actually just gotten let go. I was working at a, so I was at the women's only boot camp for four years, best job ever. Then I ended up working at a multinational, international, multi-million dollar brand. And I ended up getting let go from there. And I remember when I was thinking about when I was leaving, actually the part that about me like getting let go didn't mean anything, but hey, everyone knows. Um, <laughs> when I was transitioning between the women's only boot camp and going to that um, multinational company, I remember thinking, okay, if I go from fitness to fitness, I'm never going to be able to do anything else because I'm going to be pegged as that fitness PR girl. But then when I thought about it, I was like, Literally, to get in any media outlet in this country around fitness, there are about 10 people you need to be friends with, and I already have those relationships. So I was like, okay, we're going to stick with fitness. So do relationships matter? For sure. It is so easy for me to text a producer at a national TV show and say, hey, what are you doing on this topic? Can my client come on? Like, that's all it takes for me at this stage of the game. The other side of that is do relationships matter? I have a bunch of, so I market myself in fitness and I have a bunch of clients who are nothing to do with fitness on the back end. For example, a makeup artist. Um, for that, like I just need, I have the skills to figure out, okay, who's the person I need to find? How do I get their email address? How do I write a pitch? So a lot of the time, it doesn't matter whether or not I have a good relationship because I know how to find the right person and how to make an impression with them with a pitch. So that's kind of like a little yes, a little no. You can do it. Relationships obviously make it easy. But just because you may not have the relationships doesn't mean it's not possible. You know, another thought, as you were talking, I was thinking about the evolution of PR. And now, um, you know, since social media took hold, I don't know what Mm -hmm. year specifically, but imagine PR has gotten a whole lot more complicated. Like it, it, things spread so fast. And I'm, I guess not only positive PR, but negative PR, right? And when you're working with clients, like how often are you putting out fires? Wow, that's an interesting question. Okay, so I remember a few years ago, this is a big one. There isn't a ton of fire. There aren't a ton of fires that I'm putting out, I'll say. Because a lot of my clients work in soft news, so it's not like, you know, politics and war. Like, it's just fluffy stuff. There don't typically tend to be a lot of fires, really. Um, I do remember this one. This was a big one. We had a boot camp in whatever city in Canada, and a woman actually died at the workout. So when it came, yeah, so that could have had a huge, obviously, backlash on it. Um, So, of course, like, we do the responsible thing first. What happened to this lady? For the people who are around, for the instructor who is there, what are the services we need to offer to help them move through having experienced that? How do we need to get in touch with the family? So that was the first thing that we handled. Um, And the good thing about that is I think the way that we handled it was so well done. So, okay, backstory, she didn't die from the workout. She had... um, some pre-existing condition that would have happened whether or not she was at the workout or the grocery store. So we understood that. And I think the way that we communicated so clearly with all the stakeholders involved, um, it actually worked out that that woman's cousin ended up becoming an employee for us and working at uh, becoming an instructor. So talk about taking something that could have really soured people on your company 
and enrolling them in because you've communicated effectively and, you know, done the right thing. So not a ton of flyers that I find I'm putting out, but when they show up, they're kind of big. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to have it. You have to be quick to respond, right? You also have to be very nuanced. I would imagine how you respond to, I'm sure there's also just simple rules that you kind of follow when you're dealing with, you know, negative PR. Yeah. You know, I think one thing that you said there, whether it's negative or positive PR, you talked about being quick and yeah. that's always what's going to win with the media. Like don't be fooled when you see certain people showing up all the time. It is not that they're necessarily there that they're the best. They are the fastest to respond. They get a journalist everything they need, whether that's B-roll video or images, like they're quick and that's why they're getting the features. Um, sorry, taking it back, what was the question around negative PR? Sorry, I wanna make sure I don't miss that point. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know if it was necessarily a question. It was just that, um, well, let me, let me put it this way. So I guess here, here's, here's what I, I wanna get your insights on because you, know, you, you live and breathe in this world. So you know, we are in like a, a current state of things where there is a lot, of ne- there's a lot of negative PR right now, right? One person does the wrong tweet, next thing you know, they've lost their job. Um, everything's very politically driven. Everything's very um, <clears throat> you know, socially driven. Uh, when you're looking to get, good news out there when you're looking to get you know one of your clients in front of people for the great work they're doing is that challenging now to get through like the negative noise because i feel like you know media overall has been fairly negative lately it could just be me and what i'm watching but i think that's a pretty common consensus from people that's an interesting question so it's going to be super specific to every news outlet so total answer i can give here so i have a client who's in denver colorado and she usually goes on the local morning news and she's doing, again, my clients are in soft news. So they're those lighter, fluffier segments, um, you know, mindset and how to feel good and confidence and stuff. And yeah. then as this all happened, the show was like, no, we're not doing anything fun, happy, fluffy right now. Like everything is COVID-19 and for the foreseeable future. Um, alternatively, here in Toronto, our, some of some, not all. Some of our morning shows just really want the light fluffy content to lighten up the mood because, you know, maybe there it's a 24 hours news station. Like it is going to be doom and gloom most of the day. Give us three hours of sunshine. So it really <laughs> depends on knowing that outlet because in Toronto, my clients are crushing it getting on TV all the time because they're looking for some kind of relief from the heaviness. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, that definitely answers. So you are, you're now working with um, a similar yet different breed of, of client right? Ex- explain like who, who's your big focus now? Who are you finding a lot of fun and success and passion with working, uh, of working with? Oh my gosh, such a good question. So I've been working with uh, fitness, fitness business owners specifically over the last, I would say about five years exclusively. And now the transition that I'm making is leaving, not leaving fitness, but expanding to online coaching. So before it would be whether you're a bricks and mortar or you were an online coach, a fitness professional, I could work with you. Now I want to work specifically with people who have an online coaching business, whether it's dating and relationships, finances, fitness, whatever it is in there. Um, specifically because I think what's really opened up for me the most after COVID, or not after yet, but hopefully real soon, um, I think as people in the online space, we have all read the Forbes article that said online coaching is a multi-billion dollar industry. Um, so it of course got crowded. And now with you know real life jobs going away, brick and mortar not being as safe as it may have been in the past, 
more and more people are going into the online coaching space because there's such a low barrier to entry and a low overhead. And for the people who are really good, like not the ones who are like, oh, maybe I can make six figures in five minutes on here. Like for the people who are super skilled, it's going to be harder to break out from the noise and to get seen. So now I feel called to make sure that these coaches who are doing amazing things can actually get their voices heard. Yeah, that's awesome. So in, if you look at the online coaching space and it's, it's varied, I mean, you, you, you mentioned a, a bunch of different variants from, you know, life coaching to business coaching to relationship coaching, um, all, all of the above. When you think about someone in the coaching role that's doing PR really well, is there anybody that stands out to you? The online coaching world that's doing PR really well. You know what? I just had an interview today with a woman named KJ Plattenbauer. And maybe I'm going to say that I think she's doing phenomenally because she sounded just like me. It was so fun to talk to her. I'm like, I do that all the time. Um, but we had such a great conversation. I love the, all the tips she was dropping for people who are brand new or the people who are seasoned. So I think she's doing a great job in this space. Um, my friend, Christina Nicholson, I always have to drop her name from Media Maven and more. Um, she runs more of an agency style business where she works with a lot of food products. Um, she's phenomenal as well. So I'm a big believer in collaboration over competition, and I absolutely love connecting with other publicists in the space too, because how fun is it that we can jam off of each other's ideas? Yeah. You know, it, it is great. I've, I've, uh, I can't remember who I was listening to. Maybe it was Pat Flynn's podcast, but um, got a really good tip that's been working out well for me lately about working with publicists. Because I think if you have a podcast, which, you know, I've done uh, a few episodes here and there, the you get reached out to by a lot of publicists, a lot of people looking to place their clients on different things. And mm -hmm. normally I would just kind of ignore, right? If it didn't seem like a good fit, I wouldn't ignore. Uh, what I have started doing, I've changed over, over my like last 30 to 60 days is no matter what, I always respond to the publicists and I always say, thank you for reaching out to me. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, maybe this person isn't a great fit for my show today, but here's who I'm looking for. And, you know, I'm also mm. always looking to get on shows as well. And I found that that probably what I would imagine is an uncommon response for many uh, who are doing those out, that kind of outreach cold uh, has been really working really well. And I thought it was really cool. I, I, I don't know why this made me think of it, but I was like, God, it just goes with my own, like you treat everyone like with respect and you get a lot more back. And I think that's, that's an interesting thing is, you know, when, when people are trying to get, yeah. So we, as a publicist, as you worked before, like what are some of the secrets that you do to work with people in order to, to get guests on shows? Or is there any kind of tactics that you use to do that? Well, yeah, I totally have some. And I love the example that you just shared. So my experience has been really understanding the medium. So when I think about podcasts, I remember 2015 when I was just starting off independently, I was supporting one of my clients and I would pitch podcasts for her because I was doing a good job booking myself on shows. So yeah, it's just a different medium. And what I learned is that my experience is that podcasters actually kind of don't like hearing from publicists. Like, in, and you tell me your experience with this, but I know with traditional media, with television and magazines, like having a publicist it kind of brings a certain level of cachet, like they have somebody representing them. And I find with podcasts, because there isn't like a big publishing company behind them and all the red tape, like if a person with a passion behind a microphone sharing, I find that they get annoyed by a publicist because they're just like, oh, here comes someone chilling something. So a little tactic that I do with my clients when they're pitching podcasts, I write the podcast in their language and I just send them the text and I'm like, send this out of your inbox. 
I never pitch my clients for podcasts anymore directly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's smart. Actually. I, I don't, I think you're right. I th- podcast hosts for the most part, speaking in broad generalities are probably, um, mm-hmm. go against the grain, right? They like to do things differently. They don't like to be have oversight. They don't like traditional media. That's kind of why they got into podcasting in the first place. Um, and yeah, and also the other thing is most podcasters don't make any money on their show. They're just doing it because they really like it. And you know that means that they are not beholden to anybody, so they do it on their terms and, and they want, uh, yeah, it's just, it, it is, it, it's true. I, I will say, because I do talk to a lot of different podcasters as well. And mm-hmm. I think that's, that's a really smart and savvy way to do it because I, like I said before, I generally didn't ever respond. And I'm like, well, this is like an actual person on the other end. And uh, they may have some of the guests that I would really like to get, you know, someday. So yeah, it's really interesting. And so going back to online coaching and you had mentioned, you know, the Forbes article and all of the press about, you know, nowadays, especially during, you know, these lockdown times, people were looking for remote jobs and ways to make money remotely you know, online coaching is always in like the top 10 things when you look at these listicles that people do. Uh, so it's crowded. It's crowded. And a lot of people maybe don't have coaching experience, but, um, and it's, I find it very difficult to get through in the traditional like organic social media, right? All of those things that you're taught to do if you go to a coaching, uh, you know, an online coaching program, mentorship program. So building authority, standing out, right? What are the keys to doing that within the public relations? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, standing out, standing out is having a stand. I think a lot, especially in the coaching space, especially when that entrepreneurial space, especially one more time, if you're someone who's newer to the space and doesn't want to trigger, you feel like you can serve everybody. I find a lot of coaches are super vanilla that you're not going to stand out that way. It's so boring. Um, So I'm a big believer in having my clients, you need to have a stand. This is what I stand for. And this is what I absolutely stand against. That's going to attract the people who are on side with your stand to you. And the people who don't agree with you are not going to come to you whatsoever. So having a stand is super important. Being clear on what is the movement that you're pushing forward. So when I think about the fitness industry, especially like when I hear people are pitching like, hey, we have this new boot camp or this new workout, like guys, we are all pedaling squats and lunges. Um, what is the movement behind it? Like think about a company like SoulCycle. Why are people, I always get on this example, disclaimer, never done a SoulCycle class. I don't know why in the heck I would spend $40 to go to a spin class when, you know, there's a studio down the street without a wait list that does the same thing for 20 bucks. But the reason people go to SoulCycle is because there's a movement there of I'm going to achieve my best self. I'm going to be around people who want to excel and exceed. Like it's not just a spin class. It's about a lot more. So when you figure out what that stand and that movement is, those are the things that are going to help you stand out and attract people to you. When it comes to building influence, hmm, what can I say on that one? I think even getting featured in the media in itself is the way to build influence. Because think about, you know, the mentors that you or I may look up to when we go to conferences, when they're being introduced on stage, it's not like, Lisa has 1,500 social media followers. It's like, no, Lisa's been featured on Forbes and Inc., an entrepreneur. That's what really builds that influence, having that third-party endorsement where a credible source has said, yeah, this person is legit. Like, think about it, like, when you get featured on Oprah's favorite things, everything on that list, maybe except for the Jettas, (laughs) sell out right away, (laughs) you know, as long as it's affordable. (laughs) So building authority is getting someone else who has a reputation already to say, yeah, that person's good. 
that's going to carry you way further than saying, Hey, look at me. I'm awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So I, I would imagine if, if you are a coach, right. And you're looking to break through, maybe you're in the first, you know, couple of years of your coaching career. Um, it, it, that's an interesting question is what do I stand for? What do I stand against? And when you're, do you help people through that process? Like, um, do you help them real, realize like what it is that makes them different or what the stand is that they're going to make? And maybe you can give us, you know, an example of how you've done that with a story. Yeah. I think a lot of the coaches that I work with have been in the industry for a little while. So they have a little bit of insight of those things already. Some of the newer people are of course kind of developing that. So when I'm thinking about helping people develop their stand, I always think about like, what is the one thing that you absolutely want your clients to have? And what do you never, ever want them to experience again? So for me, I never, ever, ever want my clients to be the best kept secret in their industry. That's not why they got into this, because if people don't know who they are, they can't work for them. So they know that I will always take a stand, even when they get scared, even if they're not sure if they should do that live interview. I'm going to support them to making sure that they get out there so the right people can be supported by them. Um, so yeah, I guess my stand is for, you know, my stand is for people to know who you are and I stand against you being the best kept secret in the industry. So if somebody wants to play small, if somebody is not really sure they want to get out there, they're not going to be attracted to my message because it's all about playing a big game. Awesome. I love it. So Lisa, along your personal journey as an entrepreneur, right? Um, what have been, what have been some of the, the bigger personal challenges you faced. I mean, I, I, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, right? Uh, everybody has those stories and we find it relatable when we're working together or like when I'm talking in a group of entrepreneurs, like um, we find each other relatable, but we're also not quite as relatable to maybe those who we know closely <laughs> who aren't entrepreneurs. Like a lot of times people be like, what is it that you do, Eric? And I'm like, well, I guess, I'm a consultant, but I do all these other things and I mentor people and they're like, yeah. And then they just tune out. Right. Um, but when I talk to other it's entrepreneurs, so funny. I say to people, <laughs> sorry to interrupt. I always say yeah. to people, you know, those ads you see for like live a laptop lifestyle on a beach, six figures in six minutes. I'd like, I actually do that. That, that, that's just how I explain to non-entrepreneurs. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I love it. So I mean, uh, we did a call the other day. I was sitting on the balcony on my laptop. It's not the beach, but it's what I got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I take, uh, you know, I have a converted, uh, sprinter van thing and, and, uh, I take calls from that all the time. People are like, are you in your van right now? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yep. Um, so the challenges of entrepreneurs are, are relatable to each other. So I'm curious, you know, along your journey as an entrepreneur, what's been some of the, one of the biggest personal challenges that you faced? Oh man. And still one that I will be vulnerable in putting out there is consistency. Mm. Like there can be super high highs. You come off of a launch or you come off of a speaking engagement and then making sure that there's that recurring there and that you know what you can expect and that there's some sort of consistency that you're not jumping from like six figures to one month and below five figures next month. Like figuring out that consistency is definitely something for me. And I even think back in the very, very beginning of this journey, um, I remember getting Maybe there is a reason I mentioned getting let go earlier. So I remember getting let go from that job in 2015 and there was a chapter nearby. So that's like Barnes and Noble for the Americans listening. So I called my mom. I was like an adult living on my own, but I knew she'd freak out. So I was like, calm down as I tell you this. I just got let go from my job. It happened to Bill Gates too. He's fine. So that was what that conversation looked like. Um, and then getting into, why did I bring this up? Right. The struggles that I've gone through. 
Okay, so I had a side hustle at the time. It was matching my corporate income. So I wasn't screwed when I got let go. I was still bringing in that same amount on the side. But because it wasn't consistent, I was like, I, like I didn't have an email list. I didn't know how to email people and be able to make an offer and then money would come in. I was like, I literally don't know how I'm going to eat next week. So there was a time period where mom doesn't know this. I was an Uber driver. Like I would get up and do the morning rush hour because I didn't want to do the drunk kids coming home from the club. But I was like, people getting to work in the morning, I can handle that. So that was a real challenge of what it looked like. And I, five years later, she still has no idea she would be, I don't know how she'd feel about it, but I don't need to find out. That is, that is funny. Yeah, it's, uh, th- these are the unglamorous things. Because usually you always hear about people's successes along the way, right? But anybody who's, you know, gone at it on their own for more than, you know, a few, you know, let's say three years realizes like, yeah, it's the success is not, there is nothing linear about this journey. Nope. It is up, down, mm-hmm. around, circles, backwards, right, left. And uh, eventually, you know, as long as you stick to it, you see success in the long term. But it's, 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 a, it's a tough thing. So when, you, when you're looking at how you're balancing out your ups and downs, is there any mechanisms that you've learned over the years, like routines or taking a break and resetting? Like what is it? How do you deal with the, challenge, the mental and emotional challenges of entrepreneurship? Um, you know what, for me, I'm super vision driven and I didn't realize that not everybody is until I had a conversation with someone. I was like, so what do things look like in five years? They're like, oh, I haven't thought about it. I'm like, what? How do you get up every morning? (laughs) So for me, like, I'm really like, honestly, like, okay, so I'm on my earbuds right now, walking into my bedroom. When I open my eyes in the morning, the first thing that I see is a wall sized piece of paper that says, what does Lisa October 2020 want on one side? And then the left side says, what does present day Lisa need to do to get that? So I'm super clear on where I want to be in October and it informs everything I need to be doing today, next week, next month to hit that October goal. So for me, it's just knowing, okay, this is, this is why I am hitting this grind. This is why I'm doing that. That's what gets me into, you know, staying committed to it. Hmm. Why October? Uh, that's when we want to buy a house. Oh, got it. Okay, cool. Yeah, right on. That's yeah, amazing. so like... Those things aren't free. I need a big down payment for that. So <laughs> no. that's my why. When I don't feel like getting up or I'd rather sleep in, I have my why staring me smack in the face. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. No, homes in Toronto are not are not cheap. I can only imagine. Oh my gosh. For everyone listening, I showed Eric a, a garage, a standalone garage that is being sold for $600,000. That's, oh man. Just to that's... be torn down. And of course it has to be built. So welcome to the city, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, as you're, as you're boldly moving, you know, out of a niche really into a more, a more, a broader market, which I think is, is brilliant because you, you've really seen success within the fitness market. Um, what's, what's one of the biggest business challenges that you're facing right now? Hmm. I think as far as a business challenge goes, and this is something that I would say I'm on the other side of right now, mm-hmm. it's probably breaking out of my bubble. So for three years, I was working with the same business coach in that community. I'm with another coach this year. And you start developing those little networks in there. And I think for me, you know, working on a project that I have coming up right now, I was like, how can I get out of this bubble? Because I am so comfortable in here. I can text people and ask them if they want to be a part of this and they'll say yes kind of like what I was talking about with relationships earlier, but what is, what am I not tapping into because I'm so comfortable with this. So for me right now, it's all about like, 
putting myself on the line, literally Googling people, finding other people who seem like they'd be my vibe and just reaching out out of the blue and being like, Hey, you seem like you'd be my tribe. Want to connect on a 15 minute call? Like, do we face rejection with that? 100%. And some of the people I've met are super awesome. Yeah, it's interesting. So, you know, someone who works with a lot of coaches, which you do, how do you select a coach that you're going to work with, that you're going to invest in? Mm. So both of the coaches that, both of the coaches that I've worked with and invested the most with, I have seen the results that their clients have gotten and that made me want to work with them. Nice. So my coach who I'd been with for three years, who I'd love to pieces, I still coach in her community and I may go back, we'll see. Um, I remember that fun story. You guys get to know way too much about me. Um, I've been single for 10 years. I really wanted to meet someone. And as you guys heard earlier, my fiance and I are looking for a house. So that worked out. Um, but I wanted to work with a love coach. I've been single for 10 years and I just needed this to work already. So I found someone who got me and I want to work with me and I want to work with her story. Sorry. And then when she told me her rates, it was more than I paid for rent in an entire year. And I was like, this is my introduction to coaching. I'm like, this person's out of her tree. And then when I saw her doing something along the lines of how she makes seven figures, I'm like, hold on, you're making seven figures and you can't guarantee me anything. Who are you learning from? That's how I found coach number one. And a pretty similar story with the second coach. Like I heard someone in the community who was getting really great results and that's what made me want to work with the other coach. So third party endorsements and referrals matter. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And that must be, I mean, that gives you such great insight. I mean, and, and for people who, like, if you are a coach and you don't have a coach, you're missing out. Um, 100%. I think people think coaches say that so we can get more clients. No. There are coaches in my love life, in my money life, in my business yeah. life. Like, the kind of person who I think wants to be a coach is the kind of person who's into personal growth and development. So you're always going to have somebody that you're going to be learning from. Yeah. And I think the other thing that's really critical about always having a coach is you get to see the other, the other end of things, right? The client side. Like, what does that look like? What do you like about it? What do you not like about how this person's working? Um, it just gives you more, I guess, you know, strategic empathy, as I call it, into how your clients perceive things when you're doing them. And that, that's a really important part of growth too, is just seeing how other people relate, how they communicate, the systems they put in place and, and overall how the client experience is from actually being a client. So that's, that's a really critical thing for me too. And I, I agree. I think, uh, but there's also, I'm not going to get all woo woo about it, but I do think there is something about when you start investing yourself, if you are a coach or a mentor or you know, any kind of service-based business that other people will start to invest in you too. I don't know why that rule is. Mm -hmm. Um, but it just seems to be true time and time again. It's like, as soon as I slap down, you know, $5,000 on a, a new coach or a program and stuff seems to come my way. I don't know, maybe because yeah. I'm more motivated at the time. I'm, I'm not, you know, worrying about asking for money because I feel confident that money needs to move. So yeah, there's something to that too. I can't explain it. Yeah. Maybe there's a certain energy behind it. And I love what you were talking about with working with a coach and seeing what's working for, for them. Um, I think you called it empathetic. What was the term you used? Strategic empath empathy. Strate the word strategic it. empathy. So a little back end of my business. So like my business is healthy. It's doing fine. I don't necessarily need to be coaching in other programs. I have been on my business coach's sales team. I currently coach in one of her programs because I see how she's building a sales team. I have seen her email mm. scripts and now I've been able to take them and make them my own. My coach is a 10 figure earner. Why wouldn't I want to be able to get access to that kind of stuff? 
Now that I'm coaching her entry-level program, again, I have a full-time business on my own, but I see how she's developing her coaching staff, how she's training her coaching staff. So all of this information that I would have to pay someone to teach me, I'm seeing it from the back end, what works, what doesn't work, so I'm getting the scripts. So as I grow my coaching business, guess what model I have to follow now? A 10-figure, ten, 8-figure? Whatever it is, she makes more than 10 million a year. Um, eight figures. <laughs> eight figures, yeah, yeah. I was doing the math, yeah. I was like, 10 figures, I was, holy cow, that's amazing. Yeah. I'm learning from Tony Robbins. No, <laughs> she's an eight figure earner. So, like, how cool is it that I get to learn the back end of business from her? It's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. And it just makes everything more exciting anyway. You know, I think that's a big thing too, is as an entrepreneur, you have to be, you know, there, there's certain cliches that are cliches because they're true. And when you do surround yourself by people who are successful or where you want to be, you just, you just absorb it. You know, you, you see the way they talk, you uh, watch their interactions, you can tell the way that they approach problems and think about things and how they manage their time and all those little things that just, you kind of get by osmosis too. It's, it's a powerful thing. It really is. Um, Lisa, as, as we wrap this up, I know you got some really cool stuff coming down the pipe. I, I hope that, uh, this will be aired by time, but in case now, just tell us what, what are some of the things you got going on? You have the, uh, the influential coach show, you got some other programs that you're rolling out give us, give us the goods. Yeah. Yeah. So as I'm going through my process, um, you know, we're, I'm evolving into how do people gain influence again, because it's such a noisy space that more than ever you need to be seen and it's hard to make, you know, make noise and get out there in front of everybody. And you need to be able to be confident and you need to act, attract the right people to you. So one project that I'm working on right now is I wanted to connect with some other influential coaches in the industry to find out what's working for you, what's working for your clients. What are the mistakes that you're seeing coaches who don't have influence and who aren't enrolling? What are the mistakes that they're making so other people can avoid them? So to be able to showcase all of these experts, I'm hosting the Influential Coach Show, which is going live on June 22nd, just for five days. And we're exploring five overarching themes, which include mindset, because if you're not confident getting out there, no matter what anyone teaches you, you're not going to do it. So we've got to get your mind right. And um, we're going to be teaching people how to get seen, how to stand out, how to attract an audience. And of course, how do you actually build influence so you can influence their decisions? Awesome. Awesome. And where do people find all that, Lisa? Yeah, I was just like, and where do they find it, Lisa? <laughs> it's all available at www.theinfluentialcoach.com. Right on. Right on. Well, Lisa, it's, it's always a pleasure. I learn something every time I get you on the microphone. So uh, thanks again for, for answering all my questions and essentially which are selfish questions anyway, because I want to learn the things that you know. And uh, yeah, it's, it's always great. I, I appreciate it. And uh, where else, is there any place else that people can find you besides the influentialcoach.com? Yeah, I think for those people who are like, okay, cool, I want to get out there, but I don't know the best way to do it because you've got Facebook ads and Pinterest and all these other things. So I'm a big believer in leveraging someone else's audience. Somebody's already got a ton of your ideal clients. You just need to get in front of them. So I have a quiz that's called Uncover the Best Way to Get the Word Out About Your Coaching Business. A bit of a long title, I know, but that's what my people are saying. So if you want a non-cookie cutter answer and to actually find out, okay, based on my gifts and my business goals, this is what's going to make sense for me in terms of putting myself out there, they can take the quiz at www.lisasimonerichards.com slash quiz. So again, lisasimonerichards.com slash quiz, and they'll just go through a few questions and based on honestly their personal strengths and what they want to achieve in their business 
I'm going to share one of five ways that make perfect sense for you to get out there that isn't going to cost you anything. Right on. Awesome. Thank you for coming on. This was a, uh, it was a pleasure as always. And ladies and gentlemen, Lisa Simone Richards. Thank you so much, Eric. Hey, everybody. This is your host, Eric Malzone. Don't leave yet. I have a few more requests for you. So if you got value out of this podcast, I ask you to do a few things. Number one, go to wherever you're listening, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and go ahead and subscribe to the show. Number two, while you're there, if you feel that we earned it, please leave us a nice review. Number three, share it. Whether it be social media, email, texting, whatever it may be, I'm sure you know somebody who would get value out of this episode just like you did. So please go ahead and share it. And that's how we get the word out. So it's really valuable and super appreciative. It only takes a minute of your time. Next, if you know of somebody, including yourself, who would be a great guest for the show, please head on over to level5mentors.com, L-E-V-E-L, the number five, mentors.com. Get in touch with me. Let me know what you're thinking. Uh, Make an introduction, whatever it may be. You can also get me directly in my email, which is eric, E-R-I-C, at level5mentors.com. Lastly, if you just want to chat, you want to find out more, if you want to expand on some ideas, I love hearing from the audience. So go ahead and hit me up on social media. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. You also have my email already. So I love to hear from you. I'm always looking for ways to improve the show and I'm always looking to have great conversations. So don't hesitate to reach out. And once again, thank you for listening to the Black Diamond Podcast and you can expect a lot more from us.